A lot of you know this. If this is your first time with us, so let me just kind of set up where we are. We're doing a series called In Due Time, I-N-D-U-E-T-I-M-E, In Due Time. comes from a verse in Galatians that talks about if um, that God hides us under his hand, and then in due time, he lifts us up, right? Um, there is, so we're talking about pregnancy. Huh. Raise your hand if you've ever been pregnant. No man, no man, okay. Oh, I had my hand up. I was just helping you. <laughs> um, so we're talking about pregnancy. We're talking about birthing revival. Um, there's something happening in church, not just our church, but in the church. There's something happening. Um, boy, and it's something that our country desperately needs, right, y'all? Man, we need this. And there's a move of God. There's a, a, a birthing of revival. Um, we've tried to be really intentional about how we define revival, like what is revival, I will simply say, this is what I say, that revival is an awareness of and response to the presence of God, right? You with me? So like, it's one, like, there's a verse in the Bible, Old Testament, that a king, like it says, the, the God left him and the king wasn't even aware of that, right? So that's not revival. Revival is when you walk in a place and go, wow. Some, something's happening here, right? And, I, and then you look at all that's going on, like, like the band, the, the preacher, and you're like, I don't, I mean, the band's great, but let's talk about the preacher. You're like, I don't know why something's happening, because, like, have you heard this guy? <laughs> you, know, you know it can't be me, right? And you just suddenly you're aware of, like, this, this is God. That's half of revival. And I'm telling you, if the church would just wake up and recognize his presence, that would be a great step forward. But that's not true revival. Revival is an awareness of and response to his presence. When we suddenly realize that we're the ones that are carrying his presence, right? So, um, man, how would a coffee shop change if every believer walked in knowing I carry the presence of God into this place? That was too easy because you love Jesus and Glory Beans is already full of Jesus. So how would Walmart change? Wait, no. Let's, let's talk about real revival. How would the DMV change if everybody who was a believer walked in that place going, I carry the presence of God in here. I hope there's a long line because I need a lot of people to talk to, right? That's revival. So an awareness of and response to God's presence. Now, we've talked about a lot. Bridget talked a couple weeks ago about um, there's a what coming? There's a push coming. And then last week, we talked about pushing through grief. Um, this morning, and God is just, he's just, um, there's a weightiness to this one, right? He's, he's, he's highlighting some stuff that I think we need to talk about more in church. And I, I called Wendy, and she's in Columbia. Hey, Wendy. And I told her, she's like, how are you doing? I said, I'm okay. I think I'm okay. And she's like, what's wrong? She can tell. And I said, well, first off, it's Sunday. I'm going to have to get up in front of people and hold a microphone. So that's already a problem, right? And she's like, no, what's really going on? I said, I just feel like I don't want to zip too far ahead because God is really stirring some stuff in my heart that I think is going to be for maybe the next series and the next series. And just full disclosure, it's all about holiness, right? And that's a word that we don't throw around a lot because the minute I say holiness, Depending on how long you've been in church, you, we all have a, a different thought about what that means. Some of us are like, oh, God, the gathering's going to make us wear our hair up in buns. I'm like, 
I, the dudes are already doing that, right? So we're good on that front. <laughs> it's not got anything to do with how you dress, how you look. It's, I mean, it has to do with your heart being set apart. That's what holiness means, to be set apart. And not just set apart, but set apart for someone. You, you with me? Like when you fall in love. And suddenly nobody else is in the room, just you and that person, right? That's called being set apart. That's called holiness. We've got to get there first. And so this morning we're talking about something that's maybe not quite as heavy as that. Um, compromise. Did I just say that? Holy cow. Is it hot in here or just me? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Full disclosure, let me give you a couple disclaimers. Number one, I learned this a long time ago that I have an intense face. So you need to know right now that my intense face is not my angry face. Turn to the person next to you and say, Paul's not mad. I learned this because I used to lead worship and at another church, and, I was, and people would come up to me all the time. They'd be like, why are you so angry? And I was like, I'm not angry. And I, I watched a video of one of the services, and I was like, why am I so angry? <laughs> you know, like I had this big old, that, that's why we had the big microphones like that stood in front of your face. And I just realized, like, I really do look mad. I'm not mad at all. But I am so intense about this message, okay? And I've been, you can pray for me that God gets me out of the way. I've been praying all week long that God would not let me say what he doesn't want me to say. I just want to just speak clearly so that we can respond, okay? Now, let's start off with the story. And some of you have heard this story, but it's just a perfect example of what we're going to talk about this morning. When I was in college, um, I was in a suite. Um, and y'all lived in a suite when you're in college. You got like four or five suite mates. Um, and so I was in a suite, and I liked most of the guys in my suite, but there was another suite that had another guy in it that we, he was just crazy. His name was Chris, and um, he called everybody dog, right? Like, what's up, dog? How's it going, dog? And he was like about as thin as this microphone. And just loud, and, and just he was a great guy. Anyway, I walked in his room one night late, because you know when you're in college, it's late, you get hungry, yes? And I walked in, I was really, really hungry, and I walked in his room, and it was completely dark, except for the TV. He was watching TV, and so this was back when TVs were about that big, and it was just like this glow from the TV, and he was sitting on his bed, and I, was, I sat down on the other bed, and I was like, what's up? And he said, what's up with you, dog? Not much. I'm, I'm hungry. Got any, got any food? He goes, here, have some of these. And he handed me a bag of Sweet 16 powdered donuts. Come on, can I get a witness? <laughs> Aren't they the best? They're, they're tricky to eat, right? Like, you can't breathe at all when you eat them. Because if you breathe in, <coughs> and if you breathe out, you blow on people, right? Dust powder, chunks, everything. So you kind of have to go. <gasps> and then take another bite, right? It's kind of have to eat those donuts. So I'm, I'm eating these powdered donuts, and they're so good. Uh, that's one of my love languages is sweet 16 powdered donuts. Please don't buy them for me. I'm trying to watch my <laughs> girls figure. Um, about halfway through the bag, as we're watching TV, I, I noticed that something was moving in my mouth. And I was like, I've had a lot of Sweet 16 Donuts in my life, but this is a new experience, right? 
And then I noticed that I felt something moving on my hand. And so I immediately did what you would have done, and I said, Chris, dog, turn the light on. And he flipped the light on, and I looked in the back, and it was crawling with little black ants. And they were in my mouth and on my hand. And so, you know, I'm spitting everything out of my mouth as fast as possible at Chris, right? right? It's like, that's what's up, dog, you know. And I learned a valuable lesson. Keep the light on. <laughs> Keep the light on. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about light and darkness. Can we do this? Light and darkness. Um, there's a verse in Galatians. Hold on. I'm going to have to find it. Uh, Galatians talks about, I will find it. That we have been transformed from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. And what's happened, though, is even though we've been born into a kingdom of light, I fear that the church has accepted living in darkness. I had a vision one, one Easter I was in a church, and, you know, Easter worship is so good, and, like, people are just into it. They're celebrating and the vision I had was I saw all this long line of tombs. Just the, the, the tombs just blew open. And a whole bunch of people stepped out of the tombs in like their white gowns. I don't know why ain't, like, we think we'll have white gowns. I, I hope we have like white hey dudes, like something, not, maybe not gowns, like nice pants, whatever. But we're all in our white gowns and we're looking at Jesus who's resurrected. And in my vision, we were all worshiping. And it was amazing. And then the music stopped, and I watched all the people who had stepped out of their tombs step back in the tombs. And then the tombstone went back over all the tombs. I was like, God, what is that? And he said, that's what happens every Easter. My church, who's supposed to be resurrected all the time, comes out for one Sunday and celebrates the resurrection, and then goes back in the tomb and doesn't live it. And I think that's what compromise looks like, yes. Like we, we celebrate life and what God's doing, but then we, we get so comfortable living our lives, maybe in the shadows. And I think that what's happening right now, what I feel, is that I'm just supposed to challenge you with the Word of God. That we're supposed to live as children of the light. In Corinthians, 2 Corinthians um, 6.14, Paul says, what does light have to do with darkness? And right after that, he says, so then let's come out and be separate, right? I believe that in this season, what God's birthing in his church are people who are no longer content to just live in darkness, who are willing to say, God, in any area of my life, I want to be fully in the light. And I get convicted by that. It'll change the way you read the Bible. You'll start reading verses that you used to preach to other people, and suddenly God will flip it around and preach it to you. Right? He'll say, you'll say to people stuff like, hey, don't let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth. And God will flip it around and go, do you hear yourself talk? Oh. 
Oops. Hey, you know, you're going to have to give an answer for every careless word you speak. And God's like, did you say that carelessly? <laughs> right? This is where we are. And I believe here's why. Every revival is accompanied by two things. Worship. Oh, that's fun. And confession. Worship and repentance. Study revivals. Every revival in history is accompanied by those two things. I've, I've heard stories of, of colleges that had to cancel classes because chapel service ran long because students were getting up out of their seats and lining up to be the next ones to get to the microphone to confess publicly what they had been doing. We read about stories in revival where people come forward and empty their pockets and throw them on the platform. And sometimes we lose the simplest, the simple beauty of that active confession because pastors who need to be all that in a bag of chips take pictures of that so they can say how great they are, right? But what God's after is just a church who purely would say, I, I, don't, I don't need this anymore. I just want Jesus, right? He's drawing a line between light and darkness. So this past, this past a couple weeks ago, I was like, God, um, what, what do I need to do to get ready for this message? And he said, why don't you think about pregnancy and birth from the baby's perspective? I was like, well, okay, let me try to remember that. <laughs> From the baby's perspective, now, I know the kids have gone out. I don't know how many kids we have in here. I'll try to be, I'm going to try to be like, well, help me, pray for me. I don't have a filter, y'all, so I'll try to be whatever that word is I'm looking for that's not coming out. I'll try to be Paul. <laughs> no, we don't want that right now. <laughs> Wendy's not here, so she's right now watching us going, oh, God. Oh, Paul. The birthing process, y'all, is a baby that's going from a place that is, I'm sure, warm, but very dark, through a whole lot of pressure, and then light breaks out. That's the birthing process. Think about when we were born again. We were in the darkness, right? And what happened? Sometimes it's pressure that pushes us back to the Lord. You've had conversations with people that they're like, I never really thought about God, but just recently I can't stop thinking about him. I'm like, well, tell me what's going on. Well, uh, sounds like a country song, right? I lost my dog, lost my job, lost my wife, lost my, they start feeling, oh, pressure. And God's using that to push you to him, right? The verse that we quoted from Galatians, the verse that I can't find, but I promise you it's in the Bible, right? That verse says we've been transformed from a kingdom of darkness pregnancy birthing into a kingdom of light john would go on to write in first john it's a great book to read you could read first john all of it today after church in 30 minutes and he'll say over and over and over again he talks about light and darkness he talks about let us live as children of light let us walk in the light as he is in the light He's birthing in the church people who are okay with mess. Because we've already seen this happening. People are just going to walk in this room, and they're going to start confessing what God was happening in their life. They're going to start laying their mess out before the Lord, and he's looking for a church who's okay with that because they've done the same thing. Don't raise your hand because you might be in church right now with your boss. How many of you 
work for people who ask you to do things that they will actually never do, right? All of us got a little upset on the inside. God's not going to ask the church to help other people in the world do what the church itself is not willing to do. Judgment begins in the house of God. This is where it starts. He's calling a church out of compromise. And without getting too far down the road, like, hmm. Our culture is so spiritually mixed right now that people don't know what's Christian, what's New Age, what's Buddhist, what's Hindu. They don't know what the difference is. And those are people that go to church. So we'll tackle that in a future series, right? What should we call it? Karma ain't real? I don't know. We, we, we are, it's so mixed in to everything that we do that God's looking at the bride saying, what does light have to do with darkness? Come out of darkness and be separate. Come out and live in the light. Um, let's see, a couple things I need to share, and then I'll try to just wrap this up. This is a strong statement, so just jot it down and think about it. Secrets are, and <clears throat> let me define secrets. So, have you ever had somebody say, um, let me tell you a secret? So, secrets are not necessarily the same thing as keeping somebody's trust. Because there are some things that we're told that we don't need to then go blab to people, right? Um, secrets to me are when people unload something on you so that they themselves feel better getting it out and then tell you not to tell anybody. What? So you feel better, I don't. And I can't do nothing with that or I'll be a bad friend? No. If, he's, if God is the light and he's calling us to live in the light, then just listen to this statement. Secrets are almost always a sign of deception and dysfunction. That's the exact answer I expected from you. Almost always. And the church, we've we've become used to living in secret places. Now, God talks about praying in secret. I get all that. There's times that we don't want people to be around us. But we keep things hidden. We keep things secret. And it's almost always a sign of deception and dysfunction. And so here's some things that God says in response to that. Hold on. That was such a great buildup, wasn't it? And then I didn't say anything. You're like, well, what? What does he say? What does he say? Tell me. Hold on, I'm getting there. Psalm 90, verse 8. You, God, have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Job 12, 22. He reveals the deep things of darkness and brings deep shadows into the light. 
Job 28, 11. Are you jotting these down? God brings hidden things to light. Daniel 2, 22. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. 1 Corinthians 4, the last part of verse 5. He will bring into the light of day all that at present is hidden in darkness, and he will expose the secret motives of men's hearts. Now, we're talking about um, a lot like he shines light, he exposes, right? So jot this down. God reveals so he can heal. That's a good thing to remember, right? He's revealing things because he wants to heal them. We hide things because if they only knew, right? And that's shame. So he calls us like, hey, I just want to expose the mess, right? So that I can heal the mess. That's why all this about God revealing secret things. I think sometimes as parents we use this um, the wrong way with our kids, right? Well, you better tell me because God already knows. And he'll tell me too, right? Eh, it might not be God. It might just be that we live in a small town and everybody knows everybody's business, right? And somebody called you up and said, yeah. So I think sometimes we use it to scare people. God's not telling you that he reveals things to scare you. And just so you know, my plan at the end of the service is not to call you up one at a time and tell everybody what you're doing because I don't know. And that's not how God operates either. God is just revealing so that he can heal. And even while I'm talking to you, I believe this, that the Holy Spirit is already reminding you. He's bringing things up in your mind, things in your life. And he's like, you know what? There's, there's a shadow. There's an area. There's something that we might need to deal with. He's always doing that. Why? Because God wants purity. He wants a pure heart, pure worship. He wants a pure vessel that he can then work through. All right. Are we good so far? Are y'all okay? You're not throwing things at me. That's a good thing. Hmm. Um, let's look at Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, 12. Raise your hand if you love the Bible. Good. This is, this is for y'all. People that love the Bible, they love this verse. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, before we move on to the next verse, the reason why we're gun-shy in church about sharing where we really are is because the word from God is like a scalpel for surgery, but Christians use the word of God like an axe on one another. <laughs> Let me just tell you how you're wrong according to the scripture. <laughs> you know, and we get we cut each other up all the time. That's not the purpose. That's not what God's saying here. He's saying that it is like a, a surgeon's scalpel. And here's what it does. Verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we, can, we must give account. 
That's the most uncomfortable verse in the Bible. We were talking back in the green room before church, and I was like, I don't know how I'll even say this, but here we go. Wendy, praying for you. The most modest woman on the planet has no modesty when it's time to birth a baby. Everything is uncovered and laid bare. That's what happens when it's time to give birth. I'm speaking not from experience, but just, you know, as a guy that's observed. Well, observed from the shoulder. <laughs> it's a whole other story, but my brother, um, who is now with Jesus, he, we kept him out of the room when Wendy was giving birth to Sydney because we weren't sure how he would respond, and this was up at Stanley, and so I'm, I'm by the shoulder because if, if I'm going anywhere past the shoulder, I'm, I'm passing out. So I'm like, you're, do, you're, you're, you're doing great, honey. Keep, keep it up. You know, and, and I looked over, and like at the, at the moment of truth, like when the doctor is like, push, I looked over at the door, and my brother Stephen had poked his head through the curtain. And, like, his whole face was like, there ain't no modesty, y'all. It's just time to get this baby out. I, I, we tell you all the time, like, Wendy talks about polite worship, and we don't want polite worship. We're not trying to manipulate you into a certain style. What we're trying to say is, y'all, there's a push that's coming. We're birthing revival, and it's just time to get it out. And when we, when we start pushing revival out, we, we have to get to this place where like, we just lose, like, who cares, right? David danced before the Lord, before the ark of the Lord, and his wife was like, what are you doing? Put on some clothes. And his response was, you ain't seen nothing yet. She's like, I don't want to see nothing. <laughs> she, he was like, I'll be undignified. This is all that matters to me. This is the most important thing in my life. And that's where he's bringing, he's bringing us to that place where we're just like, hey, just let it all go. I'm just going to go hard after God. I'm not going to worry about the people on my right or on my left. And I'll just be, can we just be really transparent? Sometimes the people that matter the most to us are the ones that are closest to us. And it can be really hard to go after God and turn around and see that, like, your best friend and their BFF and your, your family ain't coming with you. That's a hard place to be. Don't raise your hand if you can relate to it because your face is already saying you can, right? That's a hard place to be. And I tell people all the time, if you go hard after God, the world is not going to be your problem. They're not going to hold you back. The world wants to see what will happen if you go hard after God. It's the people in the church next to you that will be like, sit down. You, no, you don't have to go to the altar. Sometimes you just do. Y'all, sometimes you just got to get out of your own self and just go hard after God. And it's hard when the people that are next to you are like, Psh. no, everything's uncovered and laid bare. I just got to go after God. I, I, I can't give birth in this chair, right? I need to, I, I got to move. And that's what he's doing. This starts with people who say, I am no longer going to partner with darkness. I'm going to partner with light. He reveals so he can heal. Okay, I think we might be at enough. Um, turn to Ephesians, and let's, let's end with Ephesians chapter 5. 
I have so much more I could say, but I think I don't want to get ahead of myself. So uh, two, two, two places, Ephesians 5, are you there? And then go ahead and find Isaiah 60. We'll close with these two passages. Full disclosure, I was reading Ephesians 5, and I was like, let's see, how much of this should I share? The whole thing, right? It's so good. Um, so I'll just start reading. Okay, everybody take a deep breath. By the way, I don't say all that stuff because I'm nervous. I am 100% okay reading God's Word. I'm saying that more for you, right? Because you're going to hear it. And His Word cuts. And why does His Word cut? He's exposing us because He wants to heal us. He reveals so He can heal. He's calling a church to live for light and not for darkness. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 5, here we go. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Somebody say amen. amen. We love those verses. You know why we love them? Love. It's all about love. Christians should be loving, and we should. God is love, and he is. And we think, oh, that's, that's, I love that. That's a great verse. We should just, we're loved. We should walk in the way of love. The end. And that stopping right there has gotten the church in a world of hurt. Well, you can't talk about anything because it's not loving. And the next word says, in my translation, but. I tell you all the time there are big buts in the Bible. This is one of them, Right? God is love, and we should walk in the way of love. And the world loves that message. And God says, but among who? You. Who's he talking to? Yeah, he's not talking to the contestants on Survivor. He's talking to the church, right? Among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. I love the way Paul writes, by the way. I'll try to get through this quickly. But he like shares three pretty big things right there. And can't you hear the, like the people in the church of Ephesus hearing those and going, whew, dodge the bullet there, right? And then Paul's like, oh, we're not done. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place but rather thanksgiving. That right there should stop all of us from posting things on social media. Or at least sharing and liking things that have obscene and foolish talk in them and then telling people, well, like doesn't really mean endorsement. <laughs> yeah, it does. You liked it. Light darkness for of this you can be sure how sure can we be are y'all good by the way you want to stand up and take a break you want to like rub the shoulders of the people next to you okay don't fall asleep on me yet okay almost done for of this you can be sure 
No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. And who would those people be? The people that come and say, no, no, you can still have the kingdom of God and still be kind of immoral, impure, or greedy. So don't, don't let them deceive you with those empty words. Listen to the truth. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For, and that means the reason I said all this is because of what's truth coming. For you were once what? Darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have how much to do with fruitless deeds of darkness? Nothing. But rather expose them. Now, I'll just say this. I've said this on social media. When we expose darkness, we should speak the truth in a way that when people reject it, they're rejecting the clearly communicated truth and not the jerk who spoke them. Okay? So we want to be clear about the truth, but we don't want to be jerks about how we say it. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light. Listen to this verse and get ready to go to Isaiah 60. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And here's the key. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. God wants to expose us to the light because he wants to shine his light through us. Okay? So, everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Now, flip over to Isaiah 60 and we'll close. Y'all want to come play some music? That'd be great. Thank you. Everything illuminated becomes a light. So when we allow the Holy Spirit to shine a light on us, we become illuminated, yes? Okay. You don't want me to preach this whole thing again, right? So when, when everything gets illuminated, we just read it, we become a light. So if you allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate your life, to shine the spotlight on where you are, to show you where light is and where darkness is, if you allow him to do that kind of hard work, then you become a light. You with me? Isaiah 60, verse 1. So arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. And thick darkness is over the peoples. Can anybody say amen to that? But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons, they come from afar. Your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah. And all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Why? 
because you got up, you allowed the Lord to illuminate your life, to expose things in you and me that don't need to be there. And because he illuminated us, we became a light. And because we become a light, now we can arise and shine for our light has come. This is how revival is birthed. Through people who say, God, reveal everything about me. Just shine a light on all of it. I, I pray that I never hear a doctor tell me that I have cancer. But I also pray that if I ever did, then my response to him would be, find it wherever you can. Do every test you can. Track down every last cell so we can kill it. Not go home and live in a closet where nobody would ever find anything wrong. But expose me to everything you can expose me to. So that we can find it, kill it, and I can move forward. That's what God's after. Would you bow your heads? And I'm going to give a very clear call, and I want you to respond. And full disclosure, as your eyes are closed, I need to tell you this. And again, I don't know what your church history is. I, I know sometimes we're just, church for people is just coming to church and listening to a message and shaking your head up and down and then going home and not being changed. So I'm not trying to discount the, that we're thankful that you're here. But the response of the remnant church has to always be, that's God. That's for me, God. What 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 do I what do you want me to what what do you want me to do with that, God? Everything should draw us closer to Him. And I, I can guarantee you, if we'll allow Him to shine a light on us, all of us would find something in our lives that we have tried to keep hidden. Maybe not from Him, but from others. James said to confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. Don't miss the power of that verse because we live in America where everybody's private. What I didn't do is bring in cards so that you could write what you've kept secret in your life and lay it on the altar. But that's what I want you to do right now in your mind. I want you to, to say to God, that area that you're highlighting, I'm bringing it to you. He loves us. And he doesn't love us so we can just go do whatever we want. He loves us so that we'll come to Him and He can purify us, set us apart. Y'all, this message of holiness is not going to go away. This is where the Holy Spirit is leading His church because He will have a bride who is pure without spot or wrinkle. So as the band is playing, even before I pray, I'm going to ask you to respond. I'm going to ask you to bring whatever that is and just bring yourself to this altar. Say, God, shine a light on my life. 
every part of my life, God. I don't want to keep anything hidden from you. Isaiah 29, starting in verse 13, says, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that have been taught. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord. Who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who will know? Isaiah 29, 16 says, you turn things around. As if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? He turns things around. Literally what that means is he turns things upside down. He begins to investigate our lives to see what is still hidden. He turns things upside down. And I'm asking you to respond to that God this morning. Lord, I pray right now in your name, Jesus, would you all stand together? I pray that you would begin to turn things around in our lives. I pray, God, that you would spark revival in your bride in such a way that the smallest hint of separation between us and you would drive us to our knees. God, that we would stop looking at the big things, but we would start seeing even small things as big things, God. Because you are turning things upside down in our lives. You are looking for the places, God, where we have lived in the shadows. And you are shining a light on those areas because you desire purity in the bride. And I pray, God, over this house that I am called to lead. I pray, God, that your sweet, convicting power of the Holy Spirit would fall now in this place. And that you would drive us, God, to yourself. That we would have a heart that is no longer content to just watch a movie every now and then that we probably shouldn't be watching. Or to look at some pictures we probably shouldn't look at. Or to think that that verse in the Bible doesn't apply to me. God, I pray you do the work that only you can do. Your kindness leads us to repentance and in this place right now I'm asking God that you would lead us to repentance
follower of Jesus, I'm asking you to respond to him this morning. As we sing that he loves us, I'm asking you to allow that love to highlight areas in your life that that love has yet to overcome. And I'm just going to ask you not to think about the big sins because when we think about big sins, they're always sins that don't apply to us. I'm asking you to think about gossip and pride. I'm asking you to think about the things that we tolerate, that we joke about, that break his heart. I'm asking you to think about how you don't know your neighbor's name. Church, there are things to repent for. And his kindness is drawing us to that place right now. I feel like I got this on my heart to share two parts that goes to the same message. I'm a huge movie buff. I love I love movies. And have you ever watched a movie where you didn't really get it at first, but then when you saw the full story in context, it made the rest of the movie just pop. Like when you watch it again, you're like, man, that makes sense now. Come back to that. God shared something with me not long, a couple years ago. It was actually at the start of COVID. And it's just, and it's like this, it's just how beautiful God views sin. And bear with me. We as human beings have a real bad habit of hierarchy of sin. Where murder or, let's say murder and pedophilia may be over here. And stealing a snicker bar at a Harris Teeter might be way down here. And we see it that way. That's how we see it. Well, I just stole a snicker bar. I didn't murder somebody. But the way God views sin is he views it equally. And that is a benefit for humanity. And here's why. Because if he viewed it any other way, the murderer or the pedophile may say, God will never forgive me for what I've done. He'll never do it. And the guy who stole the snicker bar will say, on the day of judgment, I only stole a snicker bar. If they both die unrepented and asking Christ to be their savior, they go to the same hell. The same hell. Where if the pedophile and the murderer said, God, forgive me what I've done. I have, I'm aware of my sin. I know what I've done is wrong. I repent before you. There'll be more murder and pedophiles in hell than there will be snicker bar stealers. I mean, in heaven, rather, than there will be snicker bar stealers. This is hard to hear, but this is what God showed me. And he's saying, I did it that way so that, what is what's God's desire? That no man should perish. And it's that way. And bring me back to the context thing. The reason I believe that God views it this way is because he knows context. He knows where you're going if you don't know him. He knows, think about every good thing, even if you're not in Jesus, think about every good thing there is in this world, the taste of food, the strength to get out of bed in the morning, 
the fresh air that we breathe in our lungs, that's not in hell. All the good things, they're not there. And all the good things come from God, folks. All the good things come from God. God does not want to see anyone in hell. So we as a church should not want to see anybody in hell either. Church, it's important to get this about sin. And I'll just leave it with that. Yeah, and I think just to add to that, just so you know, that God's, his heart is not just that you're not in hell someday. His, his heart about sin is that we're not, have, we don't have any separation between us and him right now. So would you, would you close your eyes? And I'm going to pray for these that have come to the front. And I'm going to pray for you as well. That we would not settle for any degree of separation between us and him. It's a relationship, right? The people that you love the most in your life, you don't want to have any separation between them. He feels the exact same way about you. So God, I thank you, Lord, that the Bible is clear. That when we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God, this isn't about angry preachers yelling about sin. This is about a loving father who just desires a close relationship with his children and will highlight any obstacle to that. Lord, I thank you that you are right now cleansing people here at the altar. That God, in these seats right now, I pray that as you highlight, as you bring things to our mind throughout the day, that we would be quick to repent of them, God. And that we would no longer be satisfied to live as light in places where we know we shouldn't be. I pray, God, that you would do that work that only your Holy Spirit can do. That you would lay everything bare so that we can be healed. And I thank you for those that are here this morning. I thank you for bringing them. I thank you for the ones that have watched online. I believe this, God, that in our country, you are stirring your church back to a place of being set apart for you. Not so that we never hang out with people who need Jesus, but so that when we do, they only see Jesus. Bring that revival, I pray. I pray for the food as we eat it, God, that you would nourish our bodies this morning, that you would fill our souls as we have conversation, and that we would not leave this place, God, without having encountered you and one another and being brought to a greater place of fullness in who you are. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now listen, I'm going to be standing right up here at the front. I would love to pray with you if you would like prayer. If not, you guys go out there and start eating some food, hanging out, talking. Thanks for being with us this morning. We'll see you here Wednesday night for prayer at 7 o'clock.